2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. Now, um, I'm actually doing something very unusual that you don't see very often, something that I don't do very often. But here we are in the fourth week, and we're in the same passage of Scripture. And the reason we're in the same, because this is chock full of theological and spiritual truth. There's a lot here to unpack. As a matter of fact, there's so much here to unpack that I'm actually teaching my Sunday school class some of it that I'm not even going to bring up here because uh, there's just so much that we can talk about. And we're, we're breaking it down literally, not just verse by verse, but word by word when we look at these uh, qualities of Christian character. And we're spending some time on that because we, we're talking about going back to the basics the building blocks to living well. So let's pick up here in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. And this is the, the foundational passage for this entire series, and we want to give it a good combing over. We want to check it out. We want to look at it. We want to unpack all the truths that are here. And, and that's why I'm spending a lot of time in this one passage. And then as we get through it, we're going to move on a little quicker. But we're just hanging on right here for a few more weeks as we finish this out, okay? So verse 3 says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. So just hang on to that. So that's where I got the building blocks to living well. Living a good life, a godly life. God has given us everything that we need. Today we talked about it in Sunday school like this. When a normal child physically is born into this world, that child is not a full, mature person yet as far as being able to take care of themselves and do all of that. But that child has everything it needs to grow. It's got a body, it's got everything that it needs. And if you give the proper nourishment, proper love, that child will naturally grow. Well, that's what we have as Christians. When we become Christians, God has given us everything that we need. We're not lacking for anything that we need to be able to grow. Okay, and verse 4 says, Through these He has given us His very great and precious promises. So that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Now for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. So let's pray. Father, we ask that you would do what you always do. You take a fallible man who has been called by you to unpack your word to other fallible people. But it's your infallible word, your word that has no errors in it, and your spirit who is perfect 
and you do this miraculous thing through the preaching and teaching of your word, and you interject life into us and growth, and it's, it's somewhat mystical to fully grasp it or understand it. And so we ask this morning that you would continue to do that in us. And when we walk away from here, we have some things that we can put into our hands, that we can put into our hearts, that will go to our feet as we live this Christian life. And we pray it all in Christ's name. Amen. And you may be seated. We're going back to the basics. And what we're looking at today, and particularly the last two weeks and then today, are the building blocks to living well. The building blocks to living that godly life. And last week we looked at three qualities of Christian character, and today we're going to look at four more. So let's look at what we looked at last week. We said there are some building blocks. Now we made a point and we said our new birth is not the end, it's the beginning of our walk with Christ. You don't get saved and then just say, okay, I'm saved, and that's it. But it's the beginning. Just like a child is born, a child is born, that child has to eat and drink milk. Then a little bit more solid foods. Man, I'll tell you what, it's funny when, you, when a baby, you know, is born and, you know, that baby has milk there for a while. And, uh, you know, every four hours or what have you, you've got to get up and feed the child. But let me tell you, when you start mixing that warm cereal in there, Baby starts to sleep longer, right? And I know pediatricians are like, oh, you shouldn't start until such, such and such a time. And we tried to follow that with our first one, even though our first one was unusual, stayed seven weeks of her uh, life in the hospital, her first seven weeks and all of that. But when we got to the second one, we just said, hey, as soon as he can tolerate it, give him something hot to eat. Because I like sleeping at night. And then you go from that to, to, to more solid foods. And then, man, you know, meat and potatoes. And, and, and that, that kid starts to be able to handle regular food. And just in the same way, we as Christians do the same thing. So our new birth is not the end, it's the beginning. And then we, we talked about three of the building blocks or the qualities of Christian character. We said goodness, which is excellence. Knowledge, which is practical living. And we talked about self-control, which is the very word temperance, which we get the word temper from. And then we finished and said, now faith results in spiritual growth, and spiritual growth changes how we live. So that was what we talked about last week. So we're going to step it up and go to the next building block of, of Christian character. And we pick it up here in verse 3. I'm, I'm sorry, uh, verse Five, nope, verse six, <laughs> how about that? Verse six, and it says, and to knowledge you add self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, perseverance. What is this word, perseverance? This word, perseverance, means patience. Patience is not something that we develop or that develops automatically. We have to work at it. Now, I don't have the passage of Scripture up there for you, but James chapter 1, verses 2 through 8 gives us the right approach. We must expect trials to come, because without trials we can never learn patience. We must, by faith, let our trials work for us and not against us. 
Because we know that God is at work in our trials. And we need wisdom in making decisions. So we get that through trials and through difficulty and having to wait for things. That's where patience comes in. And then it builds within us perseverance. So we get saved and we have our faith and we add to that faith. We add goodness. And then we, uh, you know, we add several other things and we get to self, we add knowledge and then self-control. And then once you get self-control, you begin to build on this spiritual growth that you're having. And all of a sudden you begin to persevere things that before would aggravate you and cause you to lose it cause you to get angry, cause you to get mad, cause you to get frustrated, cause you to to change what's going on in your life today because of something like that. All of a sudden, you start growing and now you're able to have a little bit more patience with things. Patience, my friend. My grandpa used to say about me when I was little, pas de patience. Pas de patience. You don't have any patience, Corey. (laughs) That's what he used to say to me. And, uh, and he said, you need to learn patience. And, and I, man, at that time, I was like, I, no, I don't need to learn patience. I want what I want, and I want it now. Right? You ever notice how little children act? I mean, I've got two granddaughters. I've got a seven-year-old. And um, how old is Paisley? Where's Penny at? Marcy. Paisley's, what, three? Uh, I, I think Paisley is three, and I love my grandchildren. But I think she's the most selfish thing God ever created. Yeah, and I believe uh, yours are too. They all are, right? And they want it now. Pops. Here's what she does when she wants to talk to me, and she really wants something. Popsy. It's not just pops. Now it's popsy. I don't know where she got that from. I don't know where she learned that. But one day she quit calling me pops, and she started calling me popsy. Can I have a candy? Well, Paisley, we can't have a candy now because we're getting ready to eat. But I want one, Popsy. And I look at her and say, I don't care what you want. You're not getting one now. But, Popsy, I want one. I'm like, do you want me to call your mama and have her take you from here? Because, I see, I'm not going to spank you because that, that's, that's your mama's thing. I don't have to deal with you because I don't own you. She does. Don't want to call your mom and daddy. They'll come here. No, Popsy, don't call my mom and dad. Well, you're not going to have a candy now, but I want one. Hey, 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 it don't matter what you want. You ain't getting it. Don't you know adults who act that way sometimes? They want what they want when they want it. Okay? And I'll tell you, it happens to all of us. It happens to all of us. I mean, I went fishing a while back, and, and um, I went in Brother Tommy's boat with him, and I've never been a big Carolina skiff guy, but he's got a real nice Carolina skiff. And we went into these big old waves, he and I and Brother Larry, and man, it was, it was pretty good. We, I don't know, we went 30 miles out. It was, it was unbelievable. And then a few days later, I go fishing in my little 17-footer, and we got just a little chop, and we're getting wet, and it's all of that. And all of a sudden, I'm like, I told Penny, I said, I want one of them boats that Tommy's got. I said, how about we, we get out of this water here and let's go, let's go take a ride down there to uh, Homosassa Springs where Tommy bought that boat. Let's go. go. She goes, are you crazy? You want a, a new boat? I said, yeah, I, I'm thinking about doing it. Maybe I can trade this one in. Because, and she goes, do you not want to think about it? Yeah, I thought about it. I want another boat. So I texted Tommy. 
I think I told you that story. I said, how much does one of them boats cost? He goes, we don't pay you enough. I went, what? And then he told me, and I went, eh, that's what I kind of figured. And they kind of like, I, I just kept fishing and came home. <laughs> but in my spirit, I could feel, I wanted a new boat, and I want it now. And God said, no. But you see, when you grow up, you learn perseverance and patience. And you become patient with things in life that you can't control. You become patient with things in life that, that are not your business. You become patient. God will grant you wisdom if you ask Him. Nobody enjoys trials, but we do enjoy the confidence we can have in trials that God is at work causing everything to work together for good and for His glory to those that love Him. Romans eight twenty eight. So as we build these building blocks under our life and as we grow, one of those is perseverance, man. It's patience. <clears throat> when I was a younger pastor, <clears throat> we had gotten to a point years ago, Miss C. I'm talking to Miss Carolyn back here because she was here back then. And there were some moves that I wanted to make. We needed a youth pastor here. We had just finished this building. We had just gotten in it. We had decided that my first year and a half here, we would not try to pursue a full-time youth pastor. We would put all of our money and energy into finishing this building. Once we got into the building, now we would start working on that. Well, then when we got to that point, I had some people that, didn't, that were in, in leadership that didn't want to do it anymore. And they're like, well, we need to pay off the building first. And I'm like, well, then why do we pay anything? Why do you need a pastor? I mean, why do you, you know, we, we needed to grow this ministry and, and do the ministry that God had called us to do while paying off the building. And, 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 and so that was my thing. And man, we, we got locked in and nothing could happen and, and we couldn't move. And basically I was at a point where all I was doing on Sunday and throughout the week was just getting, I mean, I do my visiting and all that, but, but just, just preaching. We were locked and we were at gridlock and we couldn't move. And I asked God, I said, God, man, I'm, I'm 30 years old. I'm young. I've got this enthusiasm, this energy, and I'm pastoring a church that doesn't want to do anything. I mean, let's get with it. Let's hurry. I'm not getting any younger. And God said, you're going to wait and be patient because I build things slowly. And I'm not interested in right now. I mean, yeah, he was, but, but I'm interested in where, where this church can be 20 years down the road. And you're going to trust me. And it took a little while, but God worked it all out in his timing. And I thought that, you know, we were burning time and burning daylight and that God didn't understand that. See, you might be thinking, you want this now because you're not getting any younger. But what you, what you get now could destroy you quickly. And God is just saying, listen, I am the author of time. I make everything beautiful in its time. I'll take care of it. You just have to wait and trust me. For my timing. Now, there's some things we act upon now. And there are some things we wait and trust God with. So that first building block, or that it's actually the... The fourth one we're looking at, but the first one today is perseverance, patience. The second one is godliness. And this is where I hope they, yeah, they did. I misspelled God. I put G-O-G and didn't notice it until about 30 minutes ago. And um, not Gog-likeness, but God-likeness. Godliness is God. 
likeness. Listen to this. It simply means God-likeness. In the original Greek, this word meant to worship well. It described the man who was right in his relationship with God and with his fellow man. Perhaps the words reverence and piety come closer to defining this term. It is the quality of character that makes a person distinctive. Now check this out. He lives above the petty things of life, a godly person does. He lives above the passions and the pressures that control the lives of others. He seeks to do the will of God, and as he does it, he seeks the welfare of others. So we must never get the idea that godliness is an impractical thing. It's just some spiritual thing. Because it is intensely practical. The godly person makes the kinds of decisions that are right and noble. It affects his life. He or she does not take an easy path simply to avoid either pain or trial. But he or she does what is right because it is right and because it is the will of God. That's what a godly person does. It means to worship well. It literally means God-likeness. So add to your faith goodness. Knowledge, self-control, perseverance, and now godliness. To be like God. You say, well, what is God like, Pastor? I'll tell you what He's like. Open up the Word of God in the Bible and you will see the heart of God. You will see the passion of God. You will see the will of God. You will see what's important to God. You will see how God thinks. And it will change what you say. It will change what you do. It will change where you go. It will put a healthy awe and fear of God in your heart. You will want to honor Him and live for Him. That's godliness. And when you get to this point in the building blocks, you're at a place where now it's important to you that you live the way God wants you to live. That's important. And not just doing what you want, when you want, how you want. It's about God and what He wants and how He wants you to live. See, you're not going to be a person, if you're godly, that just because you've been hurt or offended or somebody's done something to you, now because it becomes personal to you, that all of a sudden you think you're the exception. And so therefore, now you don't need to abide by the Scriptures because now you can harbor bitterness in your heart and you can deal, keep all of that in because it's happened to you. It was easy for you to forgive or to talk about forgiveness when you weren't having to do it. The godly person says, this applies to me too. And I want my life to be different as a result of it. So add to your life godliness. Do what God says. I I love this quote here that Warren Wiersbe says, He does not take an easy path simply to avoid either pain or trial. That He lives above the petty things of life, the passions... Excuse me, and the pressures that control the lives of others. But he or she lives to do it God's way. Y'all, there are a lot of Christians in this world that belong to Christ, but they've never gotten 
to this building block in their life. Or they've gotten to it and they could see it, but the price was too high. You see, to live godly, you have to deny yourself. They say, well, why would I want to do that? Because there's great joy, there's great peace, there's great accountability, and there's great reward for adding to your faith a godly heart and a godly walk and a godly life. That means you don't lie. That means you're not full of pride. That means um, you're not living sexually wrong. That means that you care what God says about relationships. And all of those things. So that's a building block. Let me give you the third building block. And it's, it says here in the NIV, it, calls, it said mutual affection. But that literally means brotherly kindness. Brotherly kindness. It's the word Philadelphia. Philadelphia. We, uh, we're honored to have Kenny Hawk's parents with us. Uh, Jeff and Michelle Hawk. Um, and uh, Kenny's parents, Marcy's future in-laws. They are fantastic, wonderful Christian people. And uh, they're from Georgia. And we, we love Georgia, don't we? Right, Robert? You love Georgia. Hey, they're Bulldog fans, too. Yeah. How come y'all not cheering? <laughs> I'm sorry, y'all. We, we're supposed to have brotherly love in this church, and I'm trying, you know. But they moved years ago, I think when Kenny was little, right? When he was four years old. They moved to Philadelphia, to the city of Philadelphia. And I thought about them when, uh, when we were putting this together. And they lived there for quite a few years. And uh, as a matter of fact, Kenny grew up not playing football or anything that. He grew up playing, playing hockey. And, uh, man, I like hockey because you've got a stick to hit people with. That's pretty awesome. But anyway, and one of Kenny's first Sundays here, I had uh, Jeffrey Haglin was preaching for me. I forget where I was at. And he walks in with a hockey stick. And Kenny's like, man, this is the church I want to be a part of, you know. <laughs> hockey stick. Um, but it's the word Philadelphia in the Greek. Brotherly kindness uh, <clears throat> it's a virtue that some people think that peter acquired the hard way for the disciples of our lord often debated and disagreed with one another so here it is if we love jesus christ we must also love our brothers and sisters in christ we should practice a sincere love of the brethren, First Peter one twenty two. that we're to love in word and deed. And not just pretend that we love them. Let brotherly love continue, Hebrews 13.1 says. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, Romans 12.10 says. The fact that we love our brothers and sisters in Christ is one of the evidences that we have been born of God, 1 John chapter 5, verses 1 and to brotherly kindness. I have been around some of the most godly, Christian-loving people in my life in the church since I've been a Christian and I've ever experienced in life. I've seen it. I've seen what brotherly kindness is. Let me tell you something. I've also seen those who claim to be our brothers and sisters be filled with hate 
and destruction and wanting to ruin their brothers and sisters in Christ. And it's not applicable to Scripture. You may have a brother or sister in Christ that has done you wrong, but you have no reason to harbor unforgiveness and bitterness in your heart toward them. None whatsoever. We're to affectionately love and care for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Look, I've been here almost 24 years now. Back in 04, we had a terrible split in our church. It was a horrible thing. I don't talk about it much because it's too painful to talk about still to this day. But one thing I can talk about, I can talk about some of the people that publicly did some things to me, that privately did some things to me, that were difficult to deal with at the time. But I can tell you that I, I'm not going to name those people. I would never do that in a, in, a hundred, in a million years publicly in a way like that. But I'll tell you this, that I had to deal with that pain and forgive them each one of them. And when I see them, I have truly a kind, brotherly affection in my heart for them and their families. And I think in most of those cases, it's reciprocated back. Okay? Though mistakes were made in the past, maybe by me, maybe by them, and God moved them different places and what, what have you. One thing most of us have learned from that was that it should have never come to that and that we should have this deep kindness and affection for each other, no matter what. That's when you know you're growing. That's when you know you're accomplishing something. And you can get to a place of perseverance and godliness and then affection, true love for even a brother or sister that did you wrong. Now, now, now let me tell you, now you're shucking some corn. Now you get into the meat of it. Now your Christian life is starting to take hold. Now there's some maturity because now you're able to truly love a brother or a sister who you've had some serious issues with in the past. Now I'm telling you what, folks, when you get to that point, there's some good stuff here in that. There was a lady that I'm just going to tell you did me wrong. Her son had a terrible thing happen to him. That's as far as I'm going to go with describing what happened to him. And I was out of town when that happened. And a couple of days later, I got back into town. And the first place that Penny and I went was to the hospital. And the first thing that we did when we saw that lady and her husband is we hugged their necks, they hugged our necks, and we both wept together. And they said, thank you for coming. And we said, we love you in Jesus' name. And we love your son. And we love you. And we're sorry about all that in the past. And she, so, she goes, oh, that's all gone. And I said, thank you, God. And, and there's been affectionate, brotherly, and sisterly love ever since then. That's how it should be, right? Brotherly kindness. But I think the kindness ought to happen on the front end, too. It doesn't cost you anything to be kind. Right, Coach? It doesn't. Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. I don't know how, how Philadelphia, why it got its name because they, they threw snowballs at Santa Claus one time, so I don't, I don't get it, the people in Philadelphia. But, anyway, it just, but brotherly love and brotherly kindness. Now, here's the fourth thing, okay? 
The fourth building block is love. Is love. Check this out. It's the word agape. It means sacrificial love. It's the kind of love that Jesus had that sent Him to the cross when He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. It's when He was being scourged, when they were tearing His back apart piece by piece with the bones and the metal and the glass in that cat of nine tails that that Roman soldier was swinging that was ripping His back apart so bad that you could see His rib cage. The Bible teaches us that His visage His appearance was marred so bad that you could barely tell that He was a human human being. But yet, that was the kind of love that He had for us. So listen, there is more to Christian growth than just brotherly love. We must also have that sacrificial love that our Lord displayed when He went to the cross. See, listen, when we have brotherly love... We love because of our likeness to others. Okay, listen to this. We have brotherly love. We love because they're just like us. It's easy to love somebody that loves you, right? It's easy to love a brother or sister in Christ. But with agape love, we love in spite of the differences we have. So brotherly love, we love... Because of our uniqueness and, and the commonality that we have together. But with agape love, we love those that don't even love us. We love lost people that can't stand us and hate us. And hate Christianity. We love them. That's agape love. We love the lost person because they're lost. And yes, I was talking about something at the offering time because it has national effect and it it deals with laws and things of that nature. But the way to change people is to win them to Christ. And if we have someone that gets pregnant and doesn't want that child, Maybe because we have a relationship with them and because we have loved them that they come see us and talk to us about it and we find some different options and maybe the choice is made to bring that child to delivery, maybe put that child up for adoption or to keep the child. Because of agape love. We love in spite of the differences. Notice how love is the last building block. What does the Bible say in 1 Corinthians chapter 13? It talks about, it gives you this long list of what love looks like. Love is kind. Love is not boastful. Uh, does not rejoice in iniquity. Love is not self-seeking. And on and on. And then it goes and it talks about faith, hope, and love. These three. But the greatest of these is what? love <clears throat> you have come to a place of maturity in the building blocks of your life when you can love unconditionally you can love sacrificially you can love people that don't love you and you can show that love not just in word but in deed also so number five so these are the seven qualities of Christian character. Christian character. Without these, 
your life will never be effective and productive. Look at what the Bible says here in verses 8 and 9. It says, For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being, what? Ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. So if we embrace these building blocks of growth in our life and the process of maturity that takes place, our life will have effectiveness to it. Now, the word used there, you know, effectiveness, um, is the word here, E-F-F-E, not affect. But you could use that word. Because if you have these qualities, your life will affect other people, right? Now, you can look at it both ways. To be effective and productive means to be used of God To make a difference in someone else's life. That your life would have, all all of our lives have value and meaning. But not every Christian's life is effective and productive. You ever thought about it that way? All of our lives have value and meaning. You are valuable to God. I'm valuable to God. Our life has meaning because we're Christians. Now, What do we do with that life? And if we're allowing God's process of maturity to take place, these qualities will be built into us. And as they're built into us, our lives will become even more effective and more productive in our knowledge of our Lord Jesus. And anyone who doesn't have these, the Bible says, is nearsighted, meaning you're not very mature. You don't have a big vision. You don't see it the way God sees it. You only see you, yourself, and I. You only see what your life can do. And in, and in the end, you will have not affected, or have a, you will not have affected anyone else for the gospel and for the cause of Christ. And so therefore, you're nearsighted and you've forgotten what God has done for you. So, your spiritual growth is not just about you. It's about being productive for the kingdom of God. It's about using your gift that you have so that others can grow. It's, you're a vessel through which God is reaching the world. Do you realize that? When we walk out of here today, we're all going to get in our vehicles except me. I'm going to walk. Man, I got a rough commute in the morning, you know? And start my truck and drive, you know, around the corner and park. We're all going to get in our vehicles and we're going to scatter. And we're going to go to our various places that we live in our various little communities. Some people live in High Springs, right, Bubba and Cindy? (laughs) Some people live in Bronson. Some people live. You don't even have a town. You just live out there. In the boonies. Some people live in Newberry. Some people live in Gainesville. Some people live in these little... There you go. Archer. Archer. Some people live 
all over the place, in different places. We're all going to go in our different directions. And what we don't realize sometimes is we're scattering to make a difference for the gospel of Jesus Christ. You go to work tomorrow, you're not just going to work to earn a dollar. You're going on mission. You are God's ambassador. God will use you. You never know what a smile can do. You never know what, what saying you know, something nice to someone can, can do. You never know by, saying, by being sensitive to somebody's need and say, hey, man, can I pray for you? I know people who work in doctor's offices, and they have the freedom to close their door and to ask, are you a Christian? Do you mind if I pray with you? And sometimes they ask and they say, no, I'm not a Christian, but yes, you can pray with me. You say, can they do that? Well, why not? What if their boss finds out? Well, maybe they get fired. Who cares? Well, you don't have to pay their bills. No, but you know what? God God will take care of them. I know school teachers. I mean, there are laws you have to abide by. I get it. But if a kid comes and asks them about their faith or their walk with Christ, they have the legal right to share. Now, maybe not before the whole class, but maybe with that individual. You're on mission. I remember when two of our Newberry girls were killed at Newberry High School. We've had some tragedy in the last ten years, but I remember two of them. They were leaving the great send-off to Newberry High School football team that was going to the state championship back in December of 2007. We had this pep rally and this great send-off. And after they left the school, they wrecked right outside of Newberry on their way to Archer. And they eventually died. Grief counselors were brought into the high school. And several pastors were called and asked to come. The principal at the time was Mr. Lyons, who I think is now in Tallahassee working there. And some of what we did at grief counseling was we hung out in the library, and if a kid wanted to come talk to us, they could. But Mr. Lyons pulled me aside, and he said, Pastor Corey, I want to put you in a classroom. <clears throat> I said, like, what do you mean in a classroom? Like in a classroom with one or two people? He goes, no, in a classroom with a teacher and the entire class. They're devastated. I said, yeah, what do you want me to do? He goes, I want you to do your thing. I said, what do you mean do my thing? He goes, I'm going to put you in that classroom. I'm closing the door. I said, Mr. Lyons, do you know that you can get in serious trouble for that? He goes, I want you to share Jesus. Right now, we need prayer. And I went, okay. And he put me in there. And, of course, I was very sensitive to those who weren't believers. And, but we talked and we prayed. You see, I realized that day that my life was productive and it was being effective. But I also realized that in times of non-tragedy, your life can be effective and productive. Many times it is, if not more so then. Because listen, you've built into your life godliness. And remember what we said about the godly person. The godly person deals differently with the pressures and all of those things of life.
Y'all, we are not saved so that we can just do what we want to do. We are saved, and now we have a mission that we're on. And God wants to grow you. And I want to tell you this. It's painful sometimes, and it's difficult, and it's challenging. But let me just say this. If you choose not to grow, it's painful, it's challenging, and it's difficult. So I'd rather be on the God side of this thing. And I'd rather be on the productive side of this thing. And I'd rather be on the effective side of this thing. And so I'm willing to put myself in a place, God, I want to grow. You know what that means when I pray for patience? That God's going to put me in a place that I'm going to have to learn what perseverance is. God's going to put me in the longest line at Walmart. And then because I don't have patience, I'm going to change that line and go to the one that's moving. And all of a sudden, it's going to come to a halt. And my spot in the line that I was in before is all already gone and the person behind me is checked out and I'm still three people from the register. That's God answering your prayer. And you say, well, preacher, I'm not going to pray for patience. What I'm telling you is don't pray for it and see what happens. You're going to have things happen to you and you're still going to have to deal with the patience part. So my deal is, okay, God, I'm all in. I want to learn perseverance. But God, you're going to have to really help me. I thought I had lost my wallet. I did for 12 hours. See, for a man, though, he doesn't lose his wallet. It's just temporarily misplaced. My daughter came in the house, and she found it. But it was too late, huh? In five seconds. You knew where to look. I looked there ten times, never saw it. But anyhow, so that day, my whole goal was getting a new driver's license. So in case y'all don't know, we got a few people in this church that work for the DMV, you know, right? We got what? One, two. We got the two Dobbins girls and we got their mama, right? Who else we got there? Got anybody else? Got Christina Bridwell, who's a friend of ours. She's coming to this church. She works there too. So I called a few of them and they were like at a conference or something or, and they're like, oh, I'm sorry. And, and, but you can go, was it you, Tiffany? You can go see Tiffany. She's at the other one. And I went, oh, okay, good. And so I got there. And when I got there, I opened the door, and there were 4,622 people in there. And I went, huh? 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 I guarantee you, if I wouldn't have had some special connections, I'd still be there waiting. <laughs> at least that's what it felt like to me. And so I said, I'm. I'm here to see uh, Tiffany Dobbins. Um, and Oh, okay, we'll, we'll go right there. And I'm like, man, I'm a big shot, man. I know somebody. Man, this feels good. And then Ms. Dobbins said for you to go sit over there in front of her deal and just so happen to have a chair right there, right in front of her cubicle or whatever, and just wait, and you'll be fine. And I'm making an eye contact with her like, don't forget me. I, I, I'm, I'm right here. And she was dealing with a situation, so she transferred me to another lady, and we got it worked out. It took a while, but we got it all done. I thought about it. I said, what if I didn't know anybody? Would I have the patience to wait? Well, at that time, the answer was no, but yes. Because I'd had to wait. I needed a driver's license. God will put you in places that you have to to grow or if you don't grow you look like an idiot 
And it doesn't feel good to be an idiot when you know God's trying to teach you something. These are building blocks, y'all. It's worth the life. It's worth the effort. It's worth the difficulty. It's worth the trouble because like, like uh, um, was said earlier, you've got joy in your heart. You've got peace. And now you know your life has got production and effectiveness for God's glory. That's, that's a good way to live. Because if you choose not to accept that, you're still going to deal with stuff. And then your life won't have that productivity that you want it to have. And you say, well, I don't know if I want it to have that. Well, the Bible says you'll be nearsighted. You have forgotten what God did for you. And you'll be some of those Christians that will get to heaven, but at the awards banquet at the judgment seat of Christ, when your life's work is put through the refining judgment fire of Jesus Christ, you'll be saved and you're going to go to heaven. But your works will be wood, hay, and stubble and they will just evaporate and burn up. But yet the Christian who added to his life or her life these things, these building blocks, then they're going to go through this judgment And this fiery, white-hot fire of of judging our works will be judged. And for the Christian who has grown and the Christian who has had a productive life, oh, he'll have, he or she will have hay and stubble that'll get burnt off. But then there's going to be a lot of gold and precious stone and all of those things that will be left there. And that represents what you did for God out of a right motive, what you did for God out of obedience, what you did for for God, what you did with your salvation. And then crowns will be made with that. Not so you can wear it and prance around like some peacock, you know, and look at me. But so you can take the crown and you can cast it at the feet of Jesus and say, here, Lord, is my life's work for you. Here's what I did for you. And, and this is not mine. It all belongs to you. And you're going to have some Christian casting, Christians casting, casting their crowns at the feet of Jesus. And you're going to have some Christians that will be bowing at the feet of Jesus just like the rest. But they'll have nothing to give. Now, I don't know. I hope I'm not the ones here. I, I hope I have some crowns. I hope... I'm just trusting the Word of God and that He'll take care of it. Not because I'm a good person, but because I want to be obedient. And that's what we all have in front of us. And when it, when it's, when it matters like that, what really matters in life will come to light. And what you did with it, that's what will matter. Let's stand together, everybody. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we thank You that You don't leave us after we get saved with no power. Your Word says that we have divine power in verse 3. We have the divine nature within us. And now we are babes in Christ, but now it's time to grow. And as we allow ourselves to be changed by Your Word, 
we began to grow. We began to learn what it means just to be good, to have goodness and to live a good life. <coughs> and then from there, we learn knowledge and self-control. And we learn how to be patient and get godly. Brotherly love and agape love. I know in this building we have people at various levels of growth. Not, not some better than others, just, just different. We're at different stages of growth. Because we're a family of different ages in Christ. Different parts of our life right now being affected by what you are doing in us. But wherever we are, I pray for all of us that we are open and we have chosen to add to our faith these building blocks. So as God has spoken to you, I don't know what He said, only the Holy Spirit knows. And I pray for you this morning that you would take serious where you are in your walk with Christ right now. And I want to challenge you to get yourself to this altar and to pray and to say, God, I need help in this area. God wants you to call upon Him. And He will help you and He will meet you. There may be some of you in here who have never given your life to Christ. The first thing you've got to have is a foundation of faith. And that foundation is in a person, the Lord Jesus. And you need to give your heart to Him and surrender your will to Him. Put your faith and trust in Him. And He will come in and make you a new creation. Ex- exchange your religiosity, your religion, for a relationship with a God who's with you at all points. And watch yourself grow. So Father, this is Your time, Your church. May Your will be done. This is our invitation time for you to respond to what God has said. If you need somebody to pray with you, we'll be here. We'll connect you with somebody. I'll pray with you. Whatever we need to do, God, have His way in your heart and life right now. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.